0: Welcome to our afternoon service. If you turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel 16, we have a handout this afternoon. Um, We're going to continue our study from last Sunday evening, so if you don't have a handout, just raise your hand and Travis has got the handout and we will pass that out to you so you can follow along with us. Last Sunday evening, we kind of changed the format just a little. Uh, when you think of preaching or teaching, typically it's a one-directional kind of method. And Bible study, we uh, kind of changed to a little more interactive uh, participatory uh, setting. So just keep that in mind as we as we go through this. We were in 1 Samuel 16, just for those that weren't with us. Uh, we as a pastoral, the advisory group, as we began meeting together, we set aside several passages to help just lead us. It's it's good that the Word of God guides in many ways, especially as we are looking and discerning his will for our pastor. And First Samuel 16 was one of those passages, verses 4 through 12, even as listed on your sheet. So as we look through it, um just really quickly, if you want to fill in those blanks, uh, you can review those that those that were with us last Sunday. Whenever we study the Bible, a few things we should look at. We asked some questions. Questions to ask, what is the, and this is the first section, the three C's on the list, what is the content, what is the context, and kind of are there any cross-references in scripture? So when we read the passage, we say, what's the content of the passage? And then certainly, where does it fall in Scripture? What's the context? And maybe there are other passages that we will cross-reference to kind of see what God has to say about that passage. That's just to understand what's there. And as we study the Scripture, of course, it's not just for gleaning information, but are there any, uh, point number two on the first front side, the, the three Ps, are there any precepts? Are there any principles, and are there any patterns that I should be looking at, I should be observing? And help help me out. What are the precepts, those that were here last night or those those that are here this morning? What's a precept when we look? A foundational truth, a command. So when you see in scriptures, thou shalt, thou shalt not, precept. So we're looking for those very specific things, but then also principles. Not everything is a thou shalt, thou shalt not. I think of the book of Proverbs, lots of, well, Proverbs, lots of instruction, but more um, principle in nature. And then finally, uh, the patterns in scripture. Certainly a topical type of study, you see lots of verses that might help form a pattern about a way of thinking, or you can think of an example. Jesus is our example. He's a good pattern to follow. So are there patterns that I see in Scripture? And then that last one, how do I make application? So we don't study the Bible just for information purposes, just to glean knowledge, but really to apply to our lives. And without uh, spending a lot of time just to bring everyone up to speed, we, we looked at, in the back side of your sheet, just for those that are new from last Sunday evening, This is simply here as a tool. Everybody kind of works with their Bibles a little differently. They'll mark, they'll they'll pencil, they'll underline, highlight. But feel free to take this sheet. It's got the text in front of us. If you want to underline, highlight, circle as we read through, as you think of certain things, jot down some notes, and that way you won't necessarily um, mark up your Bible that you didn't want to in the first place. So that's a tool for us. We worked through verses 4 through 7 last Sunday evening, and some of the the principles that we drew out. So if you look in verse 4, we saw, and Samuel did, and help me out, what uh, principle did we see there? Obedience, yeah, I think Sandy jumped out with that one last Sunday night. So simple obedience. And then we looked also at the elders of the town trembled in verse 4, and we saw, one of two things, either they are doing something they shouldn't have done or they're not doing things that they should be doing. So if we are honest in our living, if we live honestly, we won't have a worry to tremble when those come around. But also providing some reverence to the man of God. So two principles that we should consider even in our lives. We looked at verse 5 and we saw... Uh, As Samuel asked Jesse to bring his sons to the sacrifice, he said, sanctify yourselves. And whenever we see that word sanctify, we thought of holiness and being set apart for God. And certainly that applies to us. And then one thing that, of course, we know that David was left out to pasture, so to speak, and Jesse didn't bring those. One thing we pointed out last week, don't overlook the little. Right? Jesse may have thought, you know what, David's just really small. He's not important. I don't need to bring him. To, to Samuel to be looked at. Don't overlook the little. And then verse six, to sm- one small thing, uh, and it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab. Eliab was the firstborn of Jesse. Is there something that we should do for the firstborn today? We don't observe birthrights. We don't observe blessings. But is there some reverence or honor that we give to the firstborn? I shared the example last week to those that were there. And then verse number six, when Eliab comes, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. And we looked at that word, surely. When Samuel saw Eliab, Eliab wasn't God's choice. Although how confident and excited he was, and we brought out that principle, confident exuberance doesn't necessarily mean the correct choice. And we certainly refreshed that with our context of looking for a pastor discerning God's will And a few things we saw in verse seven, but the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature because I have refused him for the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And I wrote down a few things. Don't necessarily look on the external, right? Don't be distracted with the external because God's looking on the heart. We might see the external and we saw last week that uh, even in verse 12, it's not that we throw away the external because that's important too because as God shows the beautiful countenance in verse 12 that David resembled that David showed we don't necessarily throw out the external but that's not the only thing we should be considering so don't be distracted with the external we looked at a couple of wrong applications you know if it if it looks good maybe it's bad right if if Saul looks good if Eliab looked good oh well maybe if it looks good it's bad well let's not fall into that trap um, and also if God sees the heart, maybe the external doesn't matter. I can kind of live the way I want. I can do the, the things on the outside. It really doesn't matter. And then we saw, of course, Jesus' interaction with the Pharisees as the application in uh, the New Testament, the whited sepulchers, the outside of the cup being clean, clean the inside so that the outside is clean also. That's kind of where we left off. I kind of threw it out there. Um, were there. Was there anything else that... I don't mean to put my wife on the spot. Uh, she, she said, "Oh, I thought you were going to ask questions a little more." And I had something, but I was like, "Well, you can bring it up on uh, on Sunday afternoon when we when we get together." So, verse seven. Did you have anything else? Yeah. Okay. All right. I thought of the um so God's the one that passes judgment, so he knows, so i I'm gonna be cautious about how I judge if i should i I see a hand there, are you have a comment
1: Joseph, a yep.
0: Um, yeah, so just last, uh, just to that point though, they didn't have, so Eliab, Abidadab, and Shammah, they were the ones that were out in battle when David comes and they didn't have a good reception to David when he came. It's like, what are you doing out here? Why'd you leave the sheep? Are, are you just here to, well, I can't remember the phrase, but basically for, for a personal view of the battle, um, is your heart right? You know, things like that. So they were questioning him. So that might give a a small, small glimpse into into his brothers. Good. Anything else on verse 7? All right. Let's look at, uh, I'm going to read 8 through 10, because very similar things. So verse 8, Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shammah to pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel, and Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. So certainly the content, we get the rest of the brothers that are bringing, being brought before Samuel, and Samuel saying God's not accepting any of them. And so all six of them, all seven of them, yeah, all seven of them come. Any precepts, right? Our, our three Ps, are there any precepts? Are there any thou shalts or thou shalt nots? We should uh, pick up on this. Hey. <laughs> the, the Lord said no. And so this is something I saw. Do you see the Lord saying no in these passages? So God hath not, This is this is Samuel's response to the family. So he's listening. In some form or fashion, God communicates to Samuel. This is this is how I observe read right, the scripture. It's like if I had a red letter Old Testament, I wouldn't have any red letters. I wouldn't say, "Thus saith the Lord." God said, "No, he, I have not chosen so and so." So behind the scenes, somehow he's talking to Samuel in some form or fashion. And now Samuel says, "No, he hasn't been chosen." Listening is a is a big part of this. So if we listen to God. This is behind the scenes. We have to listen. God's going to communicate, but we have to listen. Is there any application for us in the context of seeing what God has for us in the future? Listening to God? Yes. Yes. Okay. Patience. Does patience have anything to do with these seven sons coming before Samuel? It's not the first one. It's not the second one. I suspect it, Samuel was expected, right? Go anoint one of the sons of Jesse. He's expected to do it. It's like, and you come down to the end and the Lord's saying, no, it's like, um, it's got to be the next one. I only have two left. It's got to be one of the two, 50% chance. It comes down to the last one. So patience in the midst of all this, waiting for God to answer. What
1: else? Good. Correct. So,
0: a good example, and okay, it's coming in verse eleven. So let's let good. I think we're going to get that thought because I've got a, a note comment uh, written down. All right. So patience. So verse ten, I have this phrase highlighted. Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel, and I wrote down persistence. He had to continue, right? We know that it wasn't the first one, it wasn't the second one. When I think of seven things having to happen, there was another Old Testament example that seven things had to happen. Can you think of it with me? What? Naaman, right? Naaman was instructed to go dunk seven times in the Jordan River. He went down the first time, he didn't come up, God didn't answer. Second time came up, I still have leprosy. Third time, fourth time, fifth time. Of course, the seventh time, yes. God answered. But he had to exercise persistence. If he had stopped at the sixth, right, God wouldn't have answered. He had to do seven, had to obey. So persistence, at least to go through all seven, Rhonda? Correct. And if, if that's truly what happened, if they got through the first time, it's like, maybe I wasn't listening carefully enough. Maybe God did say something, but I didn't say it, so we passed again. And God still said, right, you weren't the ones. Good. Um, Jesse only, we pointed this out a little bit where um, don't uh, don't forget the little, right? David was off tending sheep. Jesse knew he had more than seven sons, and yet when Samuel said, "Come, sanctify the, the, your your sons," he only brought seven of them. He only surrendered seven of them, and I wrote down surrendering all. Surrendering all. I'm not going to judge what what the uh, yeah. Don't, I'm not going to impose like negative thoughts on Jesse, but for application for us, if this is what happened, we should surrender all right to God. Don't hold off something, but we, we should surrender all. Good. Anything else? Verses 8 through 10. But isn't that what we should potentially be? I'm not saying it is, but isn't that the encouragement in Scripture, though, that we should be ready? We should be ready to potentially have to just wait on the Lord? Yes, I think so early on. Um, God may answer early. It may take seven. Seventy times seven. I don't even want to use that word. Um but if if you had to prepare for the long haul, it's like that type of aspect. It's like, what do we do if we if we were in multiple months more right without a pastor? How do we prepare? Do we just keep keep trusting? Oh, Lori. Yeah, I don't know if we mentioned it uh, last time, but I mean, little as much, right? When God is in it, uh, I can't, I think either I meditated a little further. You got the five loaves and the two fishes, right? The very the small that God used to do to do great things that answered he answered with. Good.
1: Anything else?
0: All right, so let's read verse 11. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. What do we see? Sandy. And so what's the principle, right, that we should learn from that thought? We wouldn't want to be caught in the same thought. So what principle do we glean so that we respond rightly, right? There are are examples that are given. There are good examples of bad examples, right, that we should learn from. So to that extent, what principle, right, should we glean if we forgot, if we just discounted? Yeah. Right, surrendering all. And even I thought of that whole if we don't need the eighth, the eye says to the hand, I have no need of thee. You know, Jesse says, Ah, I don't need to bring the youngest in. No, right? Everyone's a part of the family. Don't don't miss out, right? We're all we're all members of the body. Rhonda. Sure. And so without giving getting further commentary on the heart of Jesse, we can at least say, how should I respond, right? I should come completely uh, when I set myself aside for worship. Yeah, good principles. Tom.
1: I don't have that in my notes.
2: Um,
0: a, a safe, at least a couple of years, at least a couple of years. Yeah, that Saul was still king. I mean, certainly David is uh, ruddy. He's the youngest um, in his youth, likely, and. Saul was still king, Saul still did much, Um, all of the chasings back and forth, hiding in the cave, uh, all of that, right, all of that happened uh, before Saul went to battle and, of course, was was killed and then, you know, David made made king. Um, Did you
1: have any other thoughts, Tom?
0: So that whole idea of surrendering all, um, just, and back to why did Samuel have to ask the question, are here all thy children? Um, You know, Jesse certainly should have, if you're going to anoint one of my sons, bring them all to the table. There are a couple of, nope, I'm still in verse 11. Uh, What, do you have a thought? I think it's, so questions are also a part of going through the content or the context. If you do have questions, it spurs additional study. might be something you do, we're going to do outside of of this time here, Um, but certainly you could go back and say, hey, how long was it that David had to wait? Or there's another patience game um, that he had to wait. I'm anointed now, but when am I going to be king? Eventually, I'll have to wait. Yeah, good. which should give us uh, confidence in our Savior, in his choices, and in his time. All of this probably working together, patience as well. I took away a couple of things um, from this passage as well. So Samuel, I didn't go back and look. So two scenarios that I thought, either Samuel was aware there was an eighth son, or Samuel was not aware there was an eighth son. Okay, so if he was not aware that there was an eighth son, they passed through again, right? And he didn't, uh, nothing was chosen. There may have been an expectation of him to choose it. Maybe he could have done it. But then he asks the tough question. Everybody expected him to do it, but he had to stand up, maybe go against the flow. Everyone's going, asking him to basically anoint someone, and he's like, I can't, I can't and asks the tough question. Giving you the benefit of the doubt, Jesse, that you brought all your sons here. Are there any more? You know, he asks in a very, I suspect that question may have been difficult. And in the context of our pastoral search, if five of the six are like, hey, we've got options here on the table, and one person is like, do you think we should look again? I suspect that's going to be a tough question to ask. I mean, we like to be transparent, but it may have to be asked. It may have to be asked. So the six of us guys that are there, be sensitive to other people, I guess, is a good, uh, a good application. And the other, if Samuel did know, he knew Jesse had an eighth son. We could probably speculate why they had to go around twice, but if he knew, he probably had to ask the confrontational question. You have another son, don't you? Right, and the answer is yes, right? There's only one way to answer that question. And so he asked that tough question, calls him to the carpet uh, in a sense. Confrontation's rarely fun. I don't enjoy it. Um, I know managers have to do it in the workforce, but he says, are here all thy children? Like, pony up, Jesse. You know, bring the last one to the table, right? If if Samuel knew, but two things, right? That we can take away, guys, we might have to ask tough questions. Ladies, you might have to do it as well. And then, in an aspect of certainly humility, whenever we think of confronting a brother or sister, maybe it doesn't necessarily apply to us right now, but certainly it might be difficult to approach someone if you have to confront them. But certainly. Um, there's place in scripture, right? If someone has fallen, go to them, right? We're supposed to point things out to help them. Okay, anything else in verse 11? Didn't to down? Good call, Paul. So he made the choice, right? He was rather emphatic. We will not sit down till he come hither. What's the That's the question. So I I wrote down, could I learn determination from this? He was determined to get it done, get it done now. There might be an element of leadership. I mean, he's telling people, but he's bringing people along, he's setting the direction. We're going to get this done. It's not a word, but people use it. Stick to itiveness. You're just going to keep going in the process until I'm supposed to anoint someone, because God said, "Go to Bethlehem, I went to Bethlehem. I'm checking out all these sons. God hasn't said yes yet. We're going to continue until we do it. Just get it done. Good call, Paul, thank you. We will not sit down till he come hither. And sometimes that's not all the time, but well-placed determination. Um, there might be a time to rest there might be time to move forward. Good. I'm looking at Steffi so she doesn't have a hand on the way home. It's like, I wanted to see something else in that verse. Anything else on verse 11? All right, let's look at verse 12. And he sent and brought him in, brought David in. Now he was ruddy and withal, of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him. For this is he anything so between verse eleven and verse twelve, somebody sat down no, knew that it
2: was.
1: David. They- That's correct. Well, you're looking at the wrong person. Sorry.
0: So even to ask questions like that, to glean, God may answer in different ways. Uh, Samuel probably had to be ready to see, ready to listen. We should be doing the same. We should be doing the same. Are we going to hear an audible call? Likely not. Likely not. Because prophecies have ceased. Um. In the midst of seven passing once, perhaps twice, waiting patiently, and it came to pass. And this too shall come to pass. God answered. God didn't leave them without. Eventually, God answered. Any application for us? Right, Our waiting, our patience on God, wait for his time, wait for his choice. In God's time. Faith, relief, rest, the day will come and it came to pass, for this is he. It's almost like that same feeling, for lack of a better word, this morning when there was a more excellent way and in all the, in all the gifts love right focus on love so in all the waiting god made the selection and so right they could rest uh samuel could anoint what else anything else Lori? Sure, learn, right? Learn from the examples and we will make mistakes. I make mistakes, but Lord, help me to do those things that I'm seeing in scripture. Um, I think back to when the cart came out of um, the house and David was bringing it back to Jerusalem. They did all these right things, many right things, but they missed one thing they put it on a cart and god's commentary said they didn't listen to my word because god's word says don't put it don't put it on a cart you're supposed to carry it with your hands so what are we we should glean as much as we can from scripture to avoid right the mistakes of the past good tom And a very similar thing was brought up uh, last Sunday evening. And when the point was brought out, there's an adjective before countenance in 12, and they just used the word countenance in verse 7. So at least at least there was a highlight of there was a difference. And certainly the countenance, there's a lot that goes on with how we see a person and what that says about a person. But certainly God knows, knows the heart, Rhonda.
1: the object of coveting here.
0: so it's not that the outward is necessarily wrong or bad but don't be distracted just by the outward good yeah anything else all right and as i challenged uh the people last sunday evening in our context and this verse this passage came out because we're in the midst of our our pastoral search think of how we can apply that uh to our lives and certainly um don't be distracted by the external even in the midst of our excitement of a given candidate or option that that excitement necess- doesn't necessarily mean it's the correct choice certainly consider the internal don't be distracted the external we might have to be persistent in in the options that come before us and certainly be uh men be ladies of integrity We might have to stand for what what isn't easy to stand for. Maybe ask questions that aren't easy to ask. Thoughts? Comments? No, All right. So the Bible's full of precepts, principles, and patterns. We just have to look, whether it's this passage or other passages that we, we look at. I mentioned that sometimes in the oddest of places, we're looking at David's anointing. But there are principles that come out that we might be able to apply even during our pastoral search. So it's our choice to see, our choice to respond rightly and ask, Lord, what would you have me do? Father, thank you for our Bible study. Um, I ask that as we see things that we would respond rightly to them. And now I ask as we have a song and then we'll go into our family time that you would bless our time then even